I don't, did you, I don't know, like, there, she's out there. You're the Florida version of Sex in the City, JD. That's when I was smoking my cigar. <laughs> don't be an asshole today. <laughs> I no got out of the room because I have to. I needed to plug my laptop in, and I don't have anything set up long enough with an extension cord. I just realized that today, so oh. I need to get that part set. <laughs> oh, okay. I have the thing right here; it's plugged into. So for today, I'm back with the old background. Oh, uh, no worries. So <laughs> we um we have Rachel from uh, the Rainbow Rodeo magazine. It's like an e-magazine mm -hmm. and feature LGBTQ country music artists. I love it. I took a quick look at it. Which yeah, so did you, I, I did too. It is such a <laughs> needed magazine. It is. I think it, I really do. I think it is. Um, oh, there she is. Okay. I was checking to see if she got it. <laughs> Let's let her in and get started. I got a million questions. Yes. yes. Hi. Hi. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sounds welcome. Uh, so I'm Denise. That's JD, and you are Rachel. Yes. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. We were just saying, what a much needed um, uh, thing you have going on here. It's a it's an online magazine, or is it like a physical? Uh, oh, so the plan is that. Um... There's already three issues of the zine. This is a draft of a print, so you can see that the title is a little off center, but okay, like a whole magazine. Um, and then the idea is to compile the articles from the website into a print magazine because not everybody is as terminally online as I am. Yeah, I can I can totally be a techno tard, but we looked all over your um your site and. And JD, you're a singer. Imagine if you had something like this where you could be, you know, um, when you were doing more country. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, where you would get the press. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I would have never gotten country music press. I mean, that just didn't ha doesn't happen. And so the, I was telling Denise before you came on, this is such a needed, well need, much needed uh, project, much needed magazine. Um, mm -hmm. How did you? come to do this are you a country music music artist or what made you what made I, you just appreciate it yeah this? yeah no i'm from new york city um and oh, that's okay. that's where we're talking from uh nice jewish girl from new york um yeah no i mean i you know there's an essay somewhere in the old noggin that will be written someday about like queerness and gender identity and falling in love with country music I don't know I just got I always sort of liked southern rock and heartland rock and then as I learned more about country music and realized that's where it was, that type of music was getting its influences from I mean it's all Americana now right, right. Yeah, John exactly. exactly. yeah. Was but it's, it's pretty cool like if you did a Venn diagram like you'd be kind of encompassing all of it at at this point with with your with your magazine and yes I think it I'm thinking back to, oh God, what year was it? I want to say 2009 or 2010. Um, mm -hmm. JD, I don't know if you'll remember this, but Don and I were hosting 
a pride festival at Jocko Pistorius Park in Fort Lauderdale. Mm -hmm. And Shelly Wright, mm -hmm. yeah. a headliner. And she had just, you know, kind of come out. And uh, it was awful to see yeah. what she was going through, you know, mm -hmm. but, you know, mad, mad props to her because you would never know it by her performance. You would never know it by the way she was engaged with the audience and everything. And, you know, we met her backstage and she was absolutely lovely. Um, but yet, you know, there was all this turmoil going on, you know, with her and her career and everything. And um, she just like pushed right through it. It was so admirable, you know, like really the way the way she handled it was just admirable. But in the same way, yeah. it was sad. You know, it was it was really, really sad. And I I remember we were <laughs> like later on after I like moved over here to London, um, my wife and I were watching Nashville. And they mm -hmm. had the, that character, you know, that was, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I was, I just kept going, oh my God, it's just like Shelly Wright. Like, you mm -hmm. know, like it was, it was just, I mean, they really do face so much criticism from that industry mm -hmm. that I feel like you're actually giving them a safe space to, you know, when you can score an interview, you know, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll be, they'll feel like it's a safe space to talk about. Mm -hmm. who they are and what they feel and what they've gone through and in let alone like just to have a place where their music is being featured and recognized must feel pretty good yeah I mean I think a couple of things going on here so there's I think a lot of different layers to country music and what we mean by country music and the country music industry so like you know there's mainstream country music Nashville uh you there's a literal neighborhood called Music Row where all the record labels and the publishing houses right. and stuff are. Um, I've well. been to Nashville <laughs> twice or whatever. So I'm sure listeners or UJD might know better than I do. But like that is really different than people who are, are making country music because that's the type of music that feels best to them and might not want to be mainstream. But mm -hmm. of course, it would be nice to be able to make a living off music. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. So that's it's a, um, you know, people are more independent or who would prefer to be. Uh, and so I think a, a place like Rainbow Rodeo is important because there is a lot of history of around queer musicians in like sort of country and roots music space. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of organizing and like independent scenes as well. And yeah. as there, yes, <laughs> and as there are some musicians getting more like mainstream notice like Brandy Carlisle or Brooke Eden, um, for example. They're so, certainly not the only ones, but they're not connected to that other space that's a little more scrappy and politically radical. And then they mm -hmm. don't realize that there have been other people who have been doing this work. And then they're kind of like, well, I'm the only one. It's like, but you're not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's okay, because you don't know what you don't know. Right. But, uh, you know, for you know, me starting a website, I had been wanting, to, I'd been doing my own music writing with a blog that I still update called Adobe and Teardrops. And, you know, I was like, I graduated from college in 2011. So that sort of like up swell of like need for social justice and talking about intersectionality that came with Occupy Wall Street. You know, I was not in the streets because I was a first year teacher and I was just tired, but like, <laughs> Uh, it was important to me to like 
highlight artists who are not just white dudes. Um, yeah. Just yeah. White dudes. Right. yeah. So, uh, and then as it turned out, there was and is a really big scene in Brooklyn for queer artists and queer country artists. Um, Karen yeah. Piddleman of Karen and the Sorrows, also a nice Jewish girl from New York City. We went to the same high school, like 10 years apart. Oh um, she uh, created this like national network of artists and, you know, helped connect people. Um, so a lot of the queer country artists who are like kind of getting steam now, like Mia Byrne and Paisley Fields, um, too many to name Amethyst Kia her first uh show in New York City was at Karen's like queer country monthly showcase and now she's like opening for everybody and pretty soon she'll be headlining herself you know um yeah, so that's... yeah so I was already trying to highlight those artists oh yeah go okay <laughs> I was already trying to highlight those artists because there are a lot of amazing music blogs that inspired me and helped me find like this beautiful music that's at the intersection of punk and country but again mostly dudes and mostly yeah, right. white dudes. so um for me adobe and teardrops was about promoting like the more diverse corners of that world and as those artists have become more embraced i wanted to make rainbow rodeo um to highlight queer artists but also to make sure that as we're seeing artists get more mainstream acceptance to try to make sure that the people on that scrappier side of the spectrum are also recognized and uplifted because they've been working really hard. Yeah. yeah. Everyone deserves to be, everyone's music deserves to be in the same place, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, that's really, that's a great, a great mindset, you know, to have for it because, you know, I um, listened, I listened to a, a lot of it, you know, but I ne never really like in my car, you know what I mean? Like I didn't really bring it in the house, if you will. Um, but but I always went, you know, towards the uh, like Faith Hill and Shania Twain and, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, I, honestly, Shania Twain was one of the best concerts I ever went to. And I don't even think I say that out loud enough, yeah. um, but it really was. Uh, South Florida Amphitheater, it was just so good, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, and I always say I would I would sell my mother for tickets to um, to see Faith. Um, oh yeah, I love her. Yeah. Me too. I just just uh, you know she's she's so not well known. Well, not there's very few country artists that are really well known over here. Like they they did attach themselves to the whole Nashville thing, and they come through on tour all the time. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, um, yeah, they come through on tour quite a bit, but I mean, they're kind of stuck in the Dolly Parton, Kenny Rogers days. Yeah. The country music over here, which is kind of funny. Uh, actually, there's a guy in London named Mike West, really sweet, such a sweetheart. And he's been trying to do a lot to build up more co British country yeah, music. Really good. Yeah. yeah. He's like a big comic book nerd and horror movie nerd. So oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's just a cool dude. An infusion of youth. You yeah, know, it's they're like I said, they're still kind of stuck in islands of the stream. Um, yeah. So it's 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 crazy. But when I when I was over there, it was um, like you didn't really know about any country artists unless you found the right, you know, channel on your FM car radio yeah. or you went out and bought a CD. For me, I uh I didn't really know anything about it. And I started uh, dating this girl who took me to a, 
country music chili cook-off something or other concert and i saw toby keith and martina mcbride and all these people i was like hey this isn't bad like i don't know if it was the chili or the beer or what but you know it was like it kind of got me hooked and and that was kind of my introduction to it and i really like it but i i felt like i was swayed more by the poppy side of it and not the hardcore so now i i kind of like to look um you know for for like you know like artists that need the attention you know, country in, you know, the 90s, she, cause Mutt Lang was her husband yeah. at the time. Yeah. He was a rock producer. So he really gave her a sound that no one had yes. yet in country yeah. at that point. So she was kind of like the first Taylor Swift, so to speak, that yeah. you know, yeah. came out with this sound that immediately, almost immediately crossed over into mainstream or yeah. you know, rock radio. Exactly. And so her, she was like one of those artists that was charting on top 40 and yeah. then also yeah. country with the same song because of that reason. But, and yeah. I, you know, that was obviously by design, but back in the nineties, when I started to sing and perform country music, uh, artists who were gay or in the queer community, it was the kiss of death to their, mm-hmm. their uh, career. And KD Lang was one of those people that she was Canadian. I mean, she's yeah. Canadian, but yeah. she started out in Canada. They just didn't know what to do with her in country music because yeah. of the way she looked and, you know, her lifestyle. So then she just went, you know, rock. I mean, she really didn't stay in that genre. But her mm-hmm. first um, her first band was it was KD Lang and the Reclines because it yeah. was Patsy Klein's band and she had patsy klein's manager owen bradley i think his name was so uh but like shelby lynn you know she was she's such a great singer and she had such great country hits and and she also moved into like jazz pop blues because they i don't even know if she's really uh queer but her the rumors started about her so Mm. and randy travis they was talking about him also. He had a, a very large gay male uh, uh, fan base. And then he they married him off to his manager who was like 25 years older than he was, I think. I don't know if it was, you know, I don't know. You don't know because no one till Shelly Wright actually came out and said, I'm queer, I'm gay, I'm lesbian. No one, and I don't know anyone since has, done it except like you were naming some people Rachel um Mm -hmm. now I I hate to say it I don't keep up with the new artist as much as I should because I kind of moved out of that genre also more so because I didn't fit in as a New Yorker when I I was (laughs) I can hear it you know um I you know you just I just didn't fit in there as far as like it being an artist I wanted to be the first breakthrough artist that was like I wrote a song called Redneck Limousine, and it was mm, about a girlfriend who wants to be Southern for that reason. But mm-hmm. um, it's t- it's tough, you know. It's really a tough thing to sell. So that, along with the you know the LGBTQ plus community, mm. is very difficult. So when I saw what you were doing, I'm like, wow, this is great. This is what needs to be done right now. Yeah, and, I think know, it's I- huge for up and comers. You know, mm, absolutely. We, yeah. 
Mike, was it last? Yeah, I think it was last week when we just did that bullshit, like just just the two of us, um, Jay. And I was saying that there were some guests that were headlining um, Space Coast Pride over in uh, Melbourne in Florida, kind of near Daytona. And Mm. one of their headliners was an LGBTQ uh, guy country artist. And Mm. I'm like, never heard of him or anything, but I'm like, oh my God, he's headlining a pride, you know, Mm. with with Karina Iglesias. Mm. So they had like such a mix of talent for their mm-hmm. headliners, you know, but I was really stunned, you know, to see, uh, you know, like a country headliner, um, because really, the honestly, it was just he he definitely looks like a like a country singer, um, and oh yeah yeah I I can't even think you of know his name. name I I do I think it's on my phone okay. <laughs> carry on i'll find it <laughs> no, i mean like my personal taste is not towards that kind of poppy country stuff but it is fun and um you I know writing know, freelance for other publications that give me an appreciation for like mainstream country music but my heart is always going to be with the kind of more punk side <laughs> really but you saw a need for this, side, which is great you saw a need for it and you have created the space do you know um uh if there are any artists right now who are on the you know the top 40 country charts that are- <laughs> no <laughs> i just laughed because there's a lot of data um dr jada watkins uh, gosh i don't remember where she's a professor officially somewhere in canada but she recently published a study um and has done a lot of work showing the data around the fact that white woman, straight white woman, let alone other people who are marginalized, uh, barely get radio play. The vast majority of artists who played on country radio are straight white men still. This has been um, Boys since about 9-11. So I think we can also talk a little more about country music's relationship with like white supremacy and fascism. Um, but I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Don't tell her. I'm about to start. <laughs> Marissa Moss published a book um, two years ago called Her Country that talks more about this in detail. But um, so no, no top 40 artists who are out <laughs> is the answer. I think there are a couple of singers where I'm like waiting, but yeah, uh, it's you know, it probably won't happen unless they want to get married or something. And then, you know, but I also understand like, uh my friends are obsessed with uh ashlyn harris and ali krieger's breakup but it's like if you're not like really solidly with somebody so am only because yeah i am floored man like i am so floored by that breakup (laughs) but the reason why is because i've been a sophia bush fan for since like one tree hill days and yeah. I was super excited because I was like two days away from getting tickets because she was doing a play over here. And I was going to get tickets to go see the play because my friend Katie's bestie was a stage manager mm. and could oh. get us backstage to meet her. Oh, cool. Flying high. And then I get a message from Katie saying, Sophia's dropping out. She's been seriously ill and she just can't shake the virus and she's afraid so she's gonna go home to see her doctors anyway I can't find it um (laughs) anyways uh so now all this stuff comes out right about her yeah 
Right. And um, cheated on her husband with another person who's married. Yeah. The husband going out with right? So I immediately text my friend Katie and I'm like, did you know this? And she goes, I did, but I couldn't say anything. I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> are so yeah. lipped and polite and upstandingly moralistic. <laughs> and you couldn't even share that with me. And she was like, I just I couldn't. I was I couldn't. It's like, oh. wow. yeah. There was like a bunch of talk going on backstage about the girl who kept coming to visit and the husband mm-hmm. coming around. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes. Obsessed. But anyway, yeah. back to what you're saying. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, if you don't know the genre, like, you, of course, you don't, or if sure. you're not into it, you're not going to dig it up. But how do you, how do you find new mm-hmm. artists? You know, I mean, like, I think at this point, it's a lot about, personal relationships because again I was just like a groupie for for Karen um and she hosted you know a monthly series of shows and then also uh, a larger quarterly series called uh, the Gale Opry and um oh. yeah <laughs> so, like yeah so <laughs> just being there and like writing uh for my own blog and then eventually that turned into like a, a burgeoning side hustle slash career of writing for um kind of more uh, americana focused websites and outlets so uh i still write for no depression which is like the magazine for alt country and now what most people call americana um <laughs> a couple other country music websites so that because i was getting paid to write about it i did end up listening to a lot more 90s country than what I grew up with personally and the you know yeah. Yeah, yeah. more of an appreciation for it yeah. um but yeah so for right now I'm writing for no depression and the Nashville uh scene the Nashville scene which is a weekly you know all weekly like the village voice or whatever um but they keep inviting me to write for them even though I don't live there so it causes a lot of confusion um yeah, but there is a lot of like editors really, you know, for the right kinds of papers and magazines, they really do want to highlight um, people within the genre or who have been more marginalized by country music and society as a whole. Um, there are a lot of good people out there who really see their work as sort of correcting the record. And I came into this as a big history buff and a history teacher at the time. And so I feel like my work with what I'm writing with um, Rainbow Rodeo and even Adobe and Teardrops is like, I'm trying to document this for people who are coming later. Yeah. Um, so how I find out about these artists, it's again, it's like personal connections, but also like, uh, again, there is this divide between mainstream country and everyone else. So everyone else- Yeah, like the natural uh, is that goes in that direction. It's yes, like there's an audience- dig and mine for a nugget of gold you know like new talent that's queer that right, is, yeah you know, or you know lesser known marginalized not accepted whatever so mm-hmm. it's it's harder than just you know walking into a pile of diamonds <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah. you're you're mining for your information it's it's crazy mm-hmm. but it's also really cool that it's out there you know yeah and I, and I mean I think also like a lot of artists are open about it and then their publicist will say you know say in the like headline right like yeah. uh you know trans singer blah 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 non-binary artist such and so um yeah. 
XYZ's uh, music video about coming out. Like it's right there in the email, right there in the subject yeah. line. So like when I go through all the pitches from publicists even, um, you know, that's also how I find out about artists. You know, it's not like underground, underground, the way people might think in terms of like, um, you know, maybe not, well, how should I say this? Um, it's there. The appetite among the people who choose what to write about is there. The appetite yeah. for the readership is there for the kind of person who's going to actually sit down and read Rolling Stone. But I think for most people, they're getting their music through Spotify and through TikTok. I don't want to do TikTok. No. <laughs> so I don't really no, know, no. but that's yeah. bad because I'm like <laughs> a journalist like that's putting me up me and our website out of business but the point is like the infrastructure is there in the sort of independent part of the music industry in terms of like big commercial selling out stadiums and stuff not so much yet but for example you mentioned Shania Twain and she's invited Lily Rose who's butch uh country singer does like a lot of pop specifically and like got famous on TikTok is that a woman right yeah you know all that like we are also starting to see um, artists who are pulling these younger artists and making commitment to queer artists as well. So like Jason Isbell, that's his whole thing is when he has his week long, uh, you know, residencies at the Ryman in Nashville, he'll invite like all kinds of people to come play. And then that creates like a very devoted fan base because people who like Jason Isbell care about music. So they trust his taste. It's become like a coveted thing to open for him. Yeah, wow. it's like, yeah, it's like getting a seal of approval from from someone. Yeah. You know, that's you touched on a really good point there. Like, there is an appetite for it. There is an audience um, that's out there. Like we, um, Elliot Lee, um, JD, right? We had Elliot Lee on our show, yeah. non-binary queer mm -hmm. youngster from uh, Brooklyn. You know, mm -hmm. that's that's all over the place and doing really big shows. And what a fan base! Um, that they have it's just it's incredible it's it it really shows you I think that um you know we moved into such a we we talk about this all the time or don't we Jay about music being so digital now you know oh, yeah how do you yeah. like, you're, you don't show up at a gig with a bunch of cds anymore you know <laughs> you got stuff it's on a, right up on a little drive, yeah. a thumb drive <laughs> with music on it but that's how, like people are getting, I mean, their music is in their phones. Their music is, you know, they've got buds in there. You know, if they, they are scrolling TikTok and they are listening to their own playlists and, and whatnot. Right. So it's just a different way. Like, you know, we're not walking into record stores anymore and flipping through the posters and going through the albums. And it's, uh, it's, it's really, really different. And that audience that generation is changing you know how we get our our music now i it think pretty quickly too i mean it went from like you oh, have your cd time. yeah usually like as an indie artist you get a thousand made at a time you know as, as the normal indie artist um and like you know you sell them at shows you sell them online you sell them through cd baby which is a, a distribution record yeah online distribution record store, I guess. But, um, you know, all of a sudden it seemed like pretty quickly here you are with your CDs and no one has a CD player anymore. It's so like, true. Ready, like, you know, you could still buy them, but 
No one readily has it in cars. They stop pretty quickly. They stop putting them in cars and in laptops. At least an Apple all of a sudden yeah. stopped. Just, yeah, laptop. it totally fell so, overnight. And like, it was really felt cool. overnight. And people like when we had Melissa Ferrick on the show, like people mm -hmm. like us, we have like a thousands of CDs now. What do you do with them? So we give them away. Like I at shows, I'd rather have people walking out with my music yeah. that have a way to play it. You know, you you find yourself saying, "Who has a CD player?" You know, if you have one, here's a CD for you. You know, that's but, what I was doing uh, at Pride Fest. I was running around with your CD, yeah, I and I only handed them to people oh, who on, had sorry, their hands on for them. Right, because it seemed like it happened overnight that people were saying, we don't even have a way to play it. So thanks anyway, you know, yeah. but <laughs> and there you are with your CD. And what I miss most about that is the liner notes in the cover. Oh, even remember we were talking about that? CDs, you yep. still had something you could hold in your hand hmm. and see pictures and read who wrote the songs, who produced this album, yes. who on it who's playing on it and now yeah i guess you go somewhere and look digitally you know it must say it on your website or something it's and it's like there's no interest in that, that anymore you know like it's i i just bought like a bunch of christmas songs you know on my phone like yeah, at, you know in the itunes store like and it's it's it, it's a it is really weird like it's a weird feeling to you know, it is by like one song. <laughs> yeah, know, two songs. Albums anymore because you don't have to, you know. But the I was albums I buy anymore are Adele because I know I'm gonna like every song. <laughs> you know, but yeah. wouldn't you like to see a little liner notes thing with like pictures and you know whatever and who yeah. sang the backup singer or whatever? Yeah. But, um, I wanted to ask you, Rachel. Do you see it changing? uh now getting any better for queer artists like to, in country music with what you're doing with in your magazine they still find it hard to find management and pr people right and to be out yeah i mean i think in terms of like mainstream country uh yeah <laughs> i'm gonna say no it's not easier oh no, no we're talking specifically lgbtq is it hard <laughs> yeah no that's what i mean like i think it really depends on who you talk to, right? I mean, CMT uh, has been doing a lot to try to like create a more diverse field of artists that they Did feature. They, <laughs> they are. Been... I mean, well, Nashville is like, I've, uh, it's, yeah. a, it's a garbage town. But um, I also think politically they're like about, you know, 10, five to 10 years behind like where we are <laughs> on like the east coast like not to be all coastal elite but like um a lot of what i try to report on is also like these major trade organizations and their dei initiatives so not even just with lgbtq artists but also when we're talking about um marginalized people are marginalized based on their race racialized artists people of color yeah. and uh, you know i think a lot of them feel like well if we give them slots at our shows or if we have them present awards like that's a lot, right? We're like, we're done with the work, but they're not really looking at how their own organization. Check the box. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. Just check not the even checking the box, right? Because like they don't, they see their responsibility as like the award show or the festival. Who are we going to put on top of the stage? That's yeah. the response, their responsibility. So they're not looking at how their own organizations operate or 
who's in charge or who has power in their own organizations. Um, and so they don't see their responsibility as being a part of the structural change. They see showcasing artists as the structural change and it's not, not by a long shot. So for example, this has been widely reported, um, Americana Fest, the Americana Music Association positions itself as like liberal country music and we're gonna showcase diversity um, and show that like, we're more on top of this than like the radio. Um, but there are a number of incidents um, at this year's Americana Fest with artists who faced transphobia um, from various individuals, not from the festival itself necessarily, but the festival was very slow to respond and was very slow to put out a public statement. Um, the statement has been sent out to people who are on their email listserv, but even though a lot of the discussion of what happened occurred on other channels of social media, they have not posted that statement to those social media channels. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm working on an article about it right now. So that's all I'll say for right now, but the, it's very clear that when I've spoken to all these organizations, like, what are you doing, <laughs> right? You say you have a DEI committee, what's the committee doing? What are you up to? And it just seems like what they think their responsibility is and what artists and fans want them to do are just like two totally separate things. Oh, yeah. definitely. <laughs> I that. Yeah. yeah. But it's like politics, you know what I mean? Like it, it aligns right with politics, you know, and the, yeah. the, right and the left, it's the same thing. But, you know, the, I, the thing is, is it's been spotlighted so much about how bad they are at it you would think that they would it would spur them on to be creating some change mm -hmm. you know like to get on this to get on top of it but they're yeah. not it's like their own little enclave that no one else can get into you mm -hmm. know got it so locked up with their big corporations and their big sponsors that little people don't matter like even their listeners you know what i mean like they're they're so afraid of offending a listener that they're not thinking about growing their base. Right, you know, exactly. And I think opportunity like, that they're missing out on like a giant. Oh, yeah. I mean, even what Rachel said before for the women in country, mm -hmm. it's, it's really tough because it's like the new artists that come out or like probably the ratio of men to the, to women is much more the male truck driving, you know, typical, stereotypical, you know, guy, like the Jason yeah. Aldeans, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I even like, I have a song I wrote called Thanks to the Brave, which is a tribute to the uh, troops or uh, military, fam uh, military men and women and the families. And I sang it because I wrote it. It's on my CD. And I'm actually thinking of, um, having a guy sing it and just pitch it to be sung by some like J a Jason Aldean because I I was like you know I told uh the producer that I work with and my co-writer Keith I said I think like the country music world the people that listen don't expect a song about the soldiers to be sung by a woman and everything everyone you hear that's out there that became popular it's toby keith it's aaron tippin it's i think jason aldean has one it's lee greenwood it's never a woman 
Right. So, and people have told me this is a really great song. It Why is. It on is. the next thing, you know, when I got to sing it at a football stadium for Lucas Oil, I mean, at Lucas Oil Stadium for the Indianapolis Colts um, at a halftime show, but it never went further than that because I really think, I hate to do it, Cause I'm like, am I selling out to say, I'm going to put a, I'm going to demo this with a guy singer and then pitch it and get, you know, get maybe a, a, a popular country artist or an up and coming country artist to, to sing it. And, you know, a guy, because I think that they'll accept it better. You know, it's, it was really very frustrating for me, not just as a woman, not even as a gay woman, just to get that song, a woman, right? you know, played anywhere. And when I, tried to um actually at fort hood they replaced i was really proud of this they replaced toby keith's an american soldier with mm. my song on their radio station at fort hood mm. because they said oh we've been playing that song forever we love this one and they replaced it on their within their base on their that radio was progressive station. <laughs> that was cool. yeah. yeah that was really and i have a letter from them when they sent that to me, like, I want to frame it, you know, that they definitely that new that song on their training videos. So that was a very proud moment for me. But mm -hmm. outside of the base, like when I wanted to play for the USO um, as an artist that's supporting the military men and women and their families, um, they said, oh, we we like to they actually said we like to bring um, the best of the of the entertainment to our um they, they basically only want globally known artists that they bring only the best of the best to their people and i'm like that's a shame that you don't think the other artists are worth it because i was volunteering to tour on my own money with my own yeah. sponsorships so then i get a letter from them about six months later i get this insulting letter you know and then i let it go because it's just the way it is in the business. And then I get a letter saying, now I'm just a person on their mailing list. So they're like, help send, give to help send Toby Keith to the troop to play for the troops. And I'm like, really? Right, like money. Spend his own money to go play for the troops, right? Because mm -hmm. I was going to come on my own dime, but I wasn't good enough because I'm not globally famous, you know? And so it's just, it, it's, all of it is really tough, but to be a woman and a gay woman, like you don't stand a chance to do. I know, and you want to know what's sad? I'll tell you right where my mind goes. This is so awful. I can't even believe I'm going to put this out there, but I was watching the last season of um, Yellowstone and mm. Lainey Wilson was all over it, right? Yeah. I mean, and my first thought wasn't, oh, she's good. Oh, she's talented. It was, who did she sleep with? Mm -hmm. that was my thought immediately <laughs> and like like who did she sleep with to get a gig that has now launched her on a global tour right, right? and like I mean, she's been working her ass off she's been around for a while she's <laughs> like, happened to get yeah, that and then she stepped but, in it you know getting that gig right. i mean yeah. it's just it's crazy but yeah, that's it's so sad. That's that is exactly where my mind goes yeah. because I know these, you know, behind the scenes stories and what what a struggle it is is that you almost have to, you know, it's who you know and how you lucked out and you know backing you. The, the, either the nepotism, the timing, the luck, 
Like it all has to align like the stars, you mm. know, something. Absolutely, yeah. They catapult you into it. So I think that all these little things that we do that are homegrown, like what you're doing with, mm. with Rainbow Rodeo, it's kind of like this grassroots homegrown mm. thing, you know, mm. that will end up taking a life of its own on because there is a hunger for it and there is an audience for it. Like I went to school with a girl, no, she was a year younger than me. But anyways, um, she, she was in my neighborhood, you know, so I, I played softball with her and everything. She's super cool, super girl. And she's in a band called um, uh, 90 West out mm -hmm. of upstate New York. And they're so good. And she sings so good. And she travels all over to see like other country musicians. And she's a huge you know, Trisha Yearwood fan and, you know, mm -hmm. post pictures with the Judds and I don't know how she gets backstage, but she's, you know, she's, she's not a snob, you know, is what I'm saying. And yet I just don't see them going anywhere outside of mm. you know, Niagara Falls, New York, where they're, yeah. where, where they're a big deal. Um, yeah. You know, like, you know, big fish in a little pond kind of thing right right, right. it's great because I you know I get to say oh my god I know Holly you know like it's like it's so cool <laughs> but in the same respect you would like to know that there's there's a place for them somewhere you know because they seem a little alternative uh but mostly I mean you know hardcore country rock and oh. they're so good and so entertaining and yet I just feel like yeah they if if there was uh you know I I mean you don't hear about these kinds of things unless you're doing like what what we're doing you know we're spotlighting these kinds of things but there's there's nobody in these little rural towns you know that are going to do that so right. you know they just go to listen and show their support and that's great but you know what I don't even know like if they would are they interested in going to another level are they just happy right where they're at but I feel like, you know, that's the thing. It's it's that lack of exposure um, to get your name out there, to get to do bigger things, you know, and continue to do what you love. Like if you love singing, you love playing, don't you want to kind of ensure your future, you know, with some yeah, more? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. On 25 cent wing night. So yeah, it's <laughs> awesome, you know, for these little even if it's just the way that it makes them feel to be featured, you know, on the, on the, on the website, on the, on the e-zine, you know, in the, in the, the, the handheld paper, that's the coolest thing ever. You know, like when I used to write for She Magazine, I would always go downtown out of my uh -huh. little comfort zone, you know, go downtown, <laughs> quickly grab a copy of the magazine and just keep it in my house because my name was in there, you know, right? it's like the right? coolest thing. So yeah, I would think that, um, you know, they, that, that's a huge, you know, bump in confidence for, for these, you know, guys that have just been knocked down so mm -hmm. much. These, this, this, you know, community that is trying so hard, you know, to get a spotlight on I'm Like, it's, it's why we do what we do. We want people to dig in, you know, to, to dig into this genre. Right. You know? right. like, take a look at your, what's the, the actual website, Rainbow Rodeo. Rainbow Rodeo Mag.com. Um, but yeah, that's also the idea behind having the physical zine is um, theoretically artists can buy it at cost and then sell it as merch. And then even though they're not in the magazine, it's a way to like help, you know, build that community out. 
Right, uh, right, right. Now there's a magazine and then you can find out about 10 more artists. Right. So, yeah, right. It's yeah. Different. Like, like I was saying, like the hardest thing is to find it because mm-hmm. it's not like walking in a record store anymore and going to alt rock right. or alt country right. or whatever. And blah, 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 blah. But, you know, it, it, so you, you have to, you, you got to put in the work, you mm-hmm. know, kind of thing, like to, to find yeah. it. It's just, it doesn't, and then a lot of it is word of mouth. Yeah, you know? totally. Yeah, word but, you know, most people are so uh, committed to their playlists and their sound. Um, you know, like I mentioned something about it. We, we were watching Graham Norton and they have a musical guest or whatever. And I was like, oh yeah, they got a song out right now. Something about angels. And my wife goes, how do you even know that? Mm-hmm. Why do you know anything about what's going on? Like you don't. <laughs> yeah I never have the radio on I don't even have like the music channels on ever and I don't know like I couldn't answer the question I'm like I don't know like I must be doing on something or I don't I don't know how I know this but that's the weird thing is that like as easy as it is to download a song that you like you can shazam something and then immediately go buy it you know as easy as that is it's not easy to keep up with everything that's new unless yeah you're spending a lot of time in your fucking car yeah but I right right. I don't know I don't know how people do it so it is harder in that respect even though it's easier to buy and 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 curate your own you know playlists or whatever but it's harder to find new things that you like you know Yeah. yeah I I think having like if I'm not saying that I'm not, but if I was very into this particular genre, mm-hmm. I think it's great that you've done the work for me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I could go to your easy and see what's new, what's, yeah. what's cool, what's up and coming, you know, and learn a little bit about it, um, you know, to have it in one spot. Like, I mean, God, remember the days where we didn't have websites for this kind of stuff? Yeah. So like, that's a huge a huge deal and it's it's you know it's why we love doing this show to let people know that there is a place out there that now they it makes it easier for them to go find it if that's what they're into so yeah absolutely yeah there is something need. Are, are you um do you see a time like when you could maybe get your publication out in the into the bars on uh on down on broadway or on music row those oh yeah I mean I hadn't really thought about being that ambitious also like I'm sure I could ask some people in Nashville to do it for me um people could like pick it up you know like they're listening to local bands and then they can pick it up while they're there um be great you you feel it would be like welcomed in those like do you think you it's like we're there yet that you could put that in one of those places and they'll have it there they'll let it be there for yeah I mean like I'm not in Nashville so I can't really speak to it I mean I know that like politically a lot of those bars on Broadway they're owned by like one family and they're doing campaign. so I'm thinking they're probably not going to be the most politically progressive no but But on the other side of town yeah in East Nashville where the where the musicians actually live um yeah totally right right friends who live over there and like coffee there's like a whole like queer vegan bakery like you know when you're talking about like where the people who are actually doing this work live and what they do um yeah of course very welcoming um for the most part as far as I know I think it would be be great to shun those other people 
right? That's you know what I mean? Yeah, but the other people can pay yeah. the big bucks. That's the yeah. issue. But go where, go you know, where, the, the, where the appreciators are, you know? Exactly. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, Speak. and I mean, like, the Country Music Hall of Fame is also very committed to um, making sure that this history is preserved. Uh, one of my former editors now works there, but even before that, like, um, have Patrick Haggerty's album in their collection. He performed under the name Lavender Country, and that was the first known recorded queer country album. And oh. he used the word faggot like all over that album, right? This is it was oh. very militant for its time. I think it came out in '76. Um, unfortunately, he passed away the, uh, about a year ago, actually. And um, so the Hall of Fame has a rotating exhibit every year, um, just to sort of talk about the main events in the previous year and they memorialized him but they're hoping to do something bigger at some point in the future so like right it kind of depends on what you're looking at it's like if you look anywhere outside of like the radio and that's where like the power structure is still because a lot of people don't have the signal or can't afford satellite radio much less the internet in their car so they're listening to terrestrial radio um but once you go outside that power structure, there are a lot of people who want to be involved. And so even as I was saying with CMT, Leslie Fram, I don't know what her official title is, but she's done a lot to make sure that there's a lot of visibility. So CMT has a program called Next Woman of Country, where they select a group of, I think, like eight artists. Um, and then that includes like obviously TV specials, but also like mini tours, having them appear at events around the country. Um, and they've done a lot to ensure that there are people of color in that group, uh, non-binary people, I think, don't quote me on that, but also uh, queer people. So Lily Rose, who I mentioned, is one of the next women of country. Um, uh-huh. And that, of course, that leads to more visibility and more opportunities. Yeah. So yeah. again, like, there are people helping. It's not going as fast as we'd like. There right. are definitely yeah. artists out there like Chris Hausman, who's like an incredible pop country singer and songwriter. And it's like, why is he not famous? You yeah. know, um, right. music totally belongs on like these radio stations. You could have them on there and like, wouldn't miss a beat, but literally. But uh, I feel like the know, reason like, why I think like, the, there are people chipping away from the outsides of these structures, but uh, the the core is still very strong. Right. And there, I, I, I kind of feel like the reason that they're so slow in getting on mm-hmm. it is because they're doing it so fucking begrudgingly. Right. Like it's right. like a have, right. to, have to situation to, you know, progress. Mm-hmm. And if they had it their right. way, they, they wouldn't progress, you know, they it's would be exactly where they are. So that's just, that's the sad part of it. But I don't, I think it's, we're going to get to a point where they either like we get bigger mm-hmm. and they get smaller, you know, and, but they're always going to have their hardcores, you know? I mean, yeah. and then that, that's always going to be their go-to people, which is fine because I think our base grows more and more every day, whereas theirs is dying a little yeah. bit every day. So at some point yeah. we're going to be fucking level. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> well, I think actually there's, a, there's <laughs> yeah. interesting parallels with like comic books and baseball, also very near and dear to my heart, but like aging fan bases stereotype uh similar to the fan base of country music to be honest um mm-hmm. you know this sort of like link to like the quintessential american identity not that that ever existed 
and like um you're seeing in both of those venues they're trying to do a lot more to reach out to younger people people of color and queer people because they're realizing their fan is literally dying yeah but i think with radio like it's fear it's fear mm -hmm. of change it's fear of like Absolutely. you being the person who's advocating for this thing and then it blows up in your face so then you're out of a job yeah you're losing money and this was all before a, Trump, you like know? i think now that things have just become so militant um yeah. i think you know some of these places like there probably is legitimate fear. I mean, look at what Libs of TikTok is doing. Yeah. So, and yeah. the Proud Boys. So I think like maybe on that local level, nobody wants to deal with like if somebody decides to like be physically intimidating or worse. And I think on the corporate oh, level, yeah. nobody wants I mean, to gosh, the person yeah. uh, be responsible if it doesn't go the way that they want to in terms of the money. And right. I think it's also just good old fashioned like racism. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually been homophobia. Like, yeah, fear breeds that contempt, you know, like the, the yeah. fact that the yeah. uneducated, ignorant person is always going to go to violence and hating what they don't know. And there's no way in to educate them. There's no way in to let them know that it's not wrong. It's not bad. Like you, there's no way in. So you've mm. got to let them fall by the wayside and just hope that, you know, the next generation you know, just keeps plugging along harder than, you know, than our old bones can do by then. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's, um, it, you know, you hate to say it because it scares them, you mm. know, ch change is coming. Yeah. Get on board or stay home mm -hmm. you know, in your own ignorant little narrow-minded environment and let the world progress without you because it's obviously freaking you out. So, you know, right. it's like yeah. really come to that, you know, and it's, it's, it's sad that that's the way it is. It's because it's causing so much strife, you know, yeah. mentioned that you're a Jewish girl in New York, what you guys are going yeah. through right now. I can't, my heart is just broken. It's just, it's, I mean, awesome, you know? <laughs> well, that would be a whole other podcast, but I think, uh, yeah. It comes down I to think, religion, uh, and religion and and hmm. wars started over that kind of thing and and now terrorism seeping in and uh, it's just it's it's a lot it's a lot to wrap your head around but I just think that you know the people that are afraid to keep themselves up and educated and moving forward hmm. and progressing are the ones that are just going to get left behind there's no amount of fighting and yelling and screaming they can do you know, because it just happens, you know, yeah. it's like, it just happens. And it's, um, you know, like happening in every different industry and part mm -hmm. of the world, you know, so it's, it's just one of those things that country music, it's it, it kind of like old news that it, that it, <laughs> that they don't want to progress, you know, so <laughs> it's a big undertaking what you're doing, you know, it's really. Yeah. But um, I mean, at the same time, uh, you know, these quintessential like like white guys are like making huge waves on the mainstream billboard charts right now so like zach bryan who has the kind of that more americana sound yeah. but my conspiracy theory is that he was adopted by like mainstream country music because he has a military background um oh, yeah so like they know what his politics are they can assume them uh yeah. morgan wallen who was caught on tape uh shouting a racial epithet and then like you know was more popular than ever before like these people are now making money in the pop music world. Luke Combs covering Tracy Chapman, speaking of queer country. Yes. Uh, so 
music is having a very lucrative moment right now. Um, and again, I think with like the way music can go viral and TikTok and sampling, um, I think that it is becoming relevant because there's all kinds of ways you can splice this music and it's fun, it's catchy. Um, yeah. So no, I don't think country music is going to become irrelevant. Uh, no. So the question is, how do you force people to make that change? Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't get it. You know, I'm not somebody who like lusts after power or being in charge of much. You know, I want to be in charge of my website and I'm very jealous of that. But, like, you know, I don't really understand why it would be so hard for Americana Fest to apologize, you know, and take yeah. responsibility other than if there's some kind of legal uh, question there. But, yeah. like, you know, I mean, when I've, we fuck up, we apologize. That's what we learn when we're kids. Own it, you know. The quicker you own it, the quicker you can move on from it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the longer you wait, the worse it gets. The bigger it gets. The more eyes are on you. The more expectation is out there. So it's a dumb move. Like just own it and move on. Really. Yeah. That bad bad <laughs> business there. But yeah. I just, go. I'm just gonna say I'm sorry. I just saw Mary Chapin Carpenter and uh, Sean Colvin in a in a uh, tour, uh, in a concert, and they've been touring, they've been doing this tour for for a few years now, and uh, we left that, like, they, they talk about how what great friends they are, they've been friends for years, and I remember in the 90s, when I was doing country music, I remember hearing the rumors about Mary Chapin Carpenter being gay, and um, I guess they got squashed, or whatever, I mean, she's just an amazing artist and songwriter, and now, she's touring with Sean Colvin and it was just some vibe between them. They could have very easily been truly really great BFFs all these years. But um, when we left I uh, the concert, I said to Judy, who's been, who is my BFF that I've done a duo act with for 25 years. <laughs> I said, Judy, do you see you and I walking off the stage holding hands? You know, like every time they left the stage, they for the half for the um the halftime for the intermission and for the when they left the stage for the fake leaving of the stage and then yeah, uh, yeah, for, yeah, yeah. they held hands and I'm like you know I just wonder the stories they were sharing were a little more intimate than maybe just two people who are friends but it's hard to tell with women because we also become that way like intimate with our friends where it's not a sexual thing but it's just you know a loving friendship thing. But I, when we left, we said, I don't know. And we both said the same thing. It would have been like detrimental to at least Mary Chapin Carpenter's career because Sean Colvin was rock. But, um, you know, for her to have come out, if that was true, you know, so we just kind of left there thinking, maybe, maybe, <laughs> and, you know, it was just something about the stories they were sharing and the way they were looking at each other and the way they were just had so much admiration and respect for each other. But then again, they could really just be BFFs. So, and Judy, I could see me, myself holding your hand, leaving this. <laughs> yeah, maybe if my ankle was hurting me, you'd be doing that. You know? You're helping me out <laughs> the stairs backstage, right? Right. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know what's cool is we had another writer on, uh, Jamie Smith, who uh, started a, a Substack. Um, kind of thing for s- songs that saved your life um, oh, yeah, yeah. right Jamie and what they do is they're picking apart uh, musicians 
um, from way back all the way to present. And they're looking at their careers through a queer lens. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just got like a really good, we, it was a Whitney Houston one talking about mm -hmm. her relationship right, right. Offered and all that. But um, I do, I find them so interesting um, because, you know, it's a lot of the times it's not something that you questioned, you know, when you were listening to music. And I think that's part of it that I, it makes me wonder. It's like, if you like an artist and you like a song, mm -hmm. That's it. End you, of story. What does it matter if they are gay or not? You know what I mean? But well, you know what it was when I left the, the, the rest, rest of the point I wanted to make before I forget. What a shame if they really are together as more than friends and they just can't say it. Even now that Mary Chapin Carpenter's in her 60s, in her early 60s, Sean Colvin's in her late 60s, um, that they can't say that still. You know, they're still out there being friends if it's if yeah. it's true you know like you don't know but I mean, look how long it took hollywood you know what mm. i mean like well I there's still heard. no leading men who are gay yeah, yeah. i mean I or, yeah. there i remember interviewing uh karen walker from will and grace her name megan mullally mm. and she was telling me how awful it was for sean, uh, sean hayes when Will and Grace first came out, he didn't want to comment on his sexuality. You know, mm -hmm. he just didn't want to comment on it. He just wanted to be appreciated for the character he was playing. And, and that was his prerogative. And, but she said that there were times where they would go off the lot for lunch and the, the reporters would badger him so much wherever they went, they would just badger him relentlessly. And she could see that he was like really struggling with it. And she said it was so heartbreaking you know what I mean and and like you know now that everybody knows it's like it's no big deal he said it and he still gets parts and you know he still has a fantastic career but it's taken you know uh people that long and I still don't think that you're ever going to find out you know about certain people um, right but right. It, it, it's it's you know it's it's really heartbreaking when you can't be your authentic self mm. you know especially if you're a creative, you know, yeah. like that must stifle you in some way, shape or form somewhere down the line, you know, and that's the shame of it is that if we, you know, as a society could get past that kind of shit and people were free to be their authentic selves, no matter what it is or what pronouns they use or whatever, if they're being their authentic selves, they're going to be putting out amazing work. You know, mm -hmm. if their work is good now. Imagine right. no limitations, freedom, yeah, no worries, and that kind of freedom. Oh, like yeah, it's it's mind blowing. So I think this little step that you've taken to create something that has the potential, you know, to be such a haven and mm -hmm. and a place and a resource um, in every way even history-wise, like looking looking back on the stuff that you're writing, you know, 10 years from now, it'll still be there. And yeah. 15 years from now or whatever. It's it's just, I know it's, it's a big, huge undertaking and a daunting task, but I think there's so much good in it 
so mm-hmm. much good in it. And I, I'm really, really glad that I, I don't even remember how I found you. Maybe on threads. On like threads. threads is like the yeah. one good thing to come out of threads. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, just to go back to that question of if it's getting better, I would say in mainstream country, no. I think that, it will you know, people who don't want queer country artists are still have a pretty tight grip. But yeah, in terms yeah. of what's bubbling from below and the DIY scene, like I'm having trouble finding time and space to write about everyone oh. I'm finding out. There's so, so many, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that was not true uh, ten years ago. So yeah, I think things hunting. are changing. The yeah, question is, will hard. people be able to like make a living being an artist? But I think that's a question for everyone who's trying to be a musician right now. Yeah. Yes. Amen. And Amen to that. One hundred percent agree. Well, listen, we appreciate your time uh, and what you're doing and and where it's going. And thank you, you know, for what you're doing. It's it's a oh, yeah. so everybody that's out there, it's rainbowrodeomag.com. Mm-hmm. And there's a weekly mailing list that is like maybe a short essay if there's something in particular going on, but mostly just a list of the articles that were published that week in case you missed them. So mm-hmm. I try to keep it brief. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think great. So we do our if that's your scene, man, that's this is. This is great. Rachel's doing all the work for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can find find Rainbow Radio on all the places, uh, you know, Twitter, Instagram, threads, Blue Sky, Mastodon even. So just search Rainbow Rodeo and we'll show up. Perfect. Great. Yeah. That's so great. Oh, good. Well, you know what? Thank you, Threads. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll but let you get back to work. The other places too. <laughs> Everywhere but TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just say no. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. No, really, seriously. Thank you for your time tonight. No, you get back to work. You've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a dog that needs to play with. <laughs> All right. Take care. Nice meeting you. Thanks for having me. Okay. See you all. Bye. Why do you always run? It's like, never stop chasing your dreams. <laughs> we drank way too much whiskey. Uh-huh. Yeah, see, see, my addiction is you. Don't ask me why I'm here tonight. I had to take this midnight drive.